0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We are going to continue our series this morning called The Songs of Christmas. And I'm afraid because of a computer glitch, I don't have all of the slides laid out for you appropriately. Um, But uh, I I do have the main text, but just not the sort of read as we go. So I would encourage you to have a Bible open in front of you so you can follow along as we go. Um, Last Sunday, we looked at the Song of Zechariah. Uh, excuse me, the song of Mary. Before that was the song of Zechariah. Today we'll be looking at the song of the angels. And so if you will turn in your Bibles to the second chapter of Luke, we'll begin at verse 8. That is page 1018, 1018 of the Bibles in your pews. As I said, I'm struggling with some congestion. Pardon me if I take a sip of water from time to time. Here's what we read beginning in verse 8. And in that same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy. that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, the heavenly armies, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, As it had been told to them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. And again we say, Thanks be to God. As I said a moment ago, so far we've looked at two of the songs of Christmas in the Gospel of Luke Zechariah's song and Mary's song. This morning we'll be looking at the angel's song. I just read verses 8 through 21 of the second chapter of Luke, so that you would have a sense of the context. We will be focusing on uh, not every verse of that, but most of them, and especially on verse 14. The angelic song, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is a part of the Christmas story with which we are all familiar. Indeed, it's that portion if you uh, uh, are familiar, and of course you are familiar with the, uh, with the Charlie Brown Christmas special. It's that portion that Linus reads. In fact, as I was reading it, I found myself almost uh, uh, going into autopilot and reading it the way that Linus does, which I think is in the King James Version. That's how I've been catechized to read Luke 2 uh, by Charlie Brown. Uh, but, but, but glory to God on the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So there are shepherds watching over their flocks, right? You have one angel show up and tell them of the news. One angel shows up and tells them about what's happened in Bethlehem, and then the one angel is joined by, a, uh, uh, by many angels, many of the heavenly armies, and they sing. When someone asks about the, uh, the priorities of church fellowship, and, and people do ask about that because you know, all of, all of the world knows what it means for friends to get together. Christians have this special word for it. We, we, t- we like to talk about fellowship. And so why is that? Why do we have a special term for it? Well, it's because what we do in fellowship is a lot of what we will be doing for all eternity. There will be eating and drinking and rejoicing and singing all parts of our fellowship together. Singing is very important here in our church. We've made that a priority and a focus because we're going to be doing it forever. And our songs will not be whispered or thin or paltry. They will be angelic. They will be rich. They will be glorious. They'll be earth-shaking. While no human being ever becomes an angel upon entry into heaven, while death never means that heaven gains an angel, with apologies to sentimentality, We will one day rejoice and join in the melodies and harmonies of the angelic choirs already in progress. The other two songs we've looked at so far in the Gospel of Luke have gone from earth to heaven. This one comes down. This music comes down from heaven to earth. And I want us to see at least three things about the angel song this morning. First, it was a song for shepherds. Second, it was a song of glory, and third, it was a song of peace. Okay? A song for shepherds, a song of glory, a song of peace. So we'll start out with the shepherds, if you'll look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear the glory of the Lord shone all around them probably given what happens in other contexts other parts of the Bible both Old Testament and New it was you have a sense of a blinding powerful light made all the more bright by the fact that it is the middle of the night and the question is often asked why shepherds there are I think three reasons one is that the work of a shepherd is meant to call us back to the to the pre-coronation vocation of King David, he was a shepherd, protector of the sheep, slayer of the lion and the bear. It seems only right that the message of the son of David, born in Bethlehem, would come to shepherds. A second reason I think is that this is likely a familiar uh, uh, a fulfillment. Excuse me, of Jeremiah 33:13 where the prophet says that one day in the cities of Judah, the flocks of Jerusalem shall again pass under the hand of he who counts them. This is perhaps a veiled reference to the invitation given to the shepherds. The third and probably most well-known reason is that the shepherds, shepherds generally speaking, were outcasts from polite society. They weren't lepers. It wasn't that level of outcasts. But they certainly weren't what you would call polite company. It would be appropriate to say that one of the first groups of people to hear the good news of the birth of Jesus were working class sinners. This is the fulfillment, I think, of Mary's song. A line in Mary's song from last Sunday where she sings, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Mary sings about that in Uh, Luke 1 52 and when we're over in chapter 2 we see that's exactly part of what's happening the gospel comes first to shepherds this is indeed the fulfillment of Mary's words that the mighty would be thrown down and the humble would be exalted here humble shepherds are exalted we don't even know their names by the way they're just shepherds notice also that they were afraid when the angel appeared this is quite common Right in the, in the biblical record, when an angel shows up, people are terrified. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, verse 9, the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with great fear. There is, or at least was, a popular trend on social media about so-called biblically accurate angels. Basically, uh, some people found some texts in the prophetic literature that talked about these rather terrifying seraph creatures, covered with eyes, having six wings, and so on. And true enough, those rather terrifying heavenly creatures are there in the Bible. At first, I thought it was an effort among a lot of people to sincerely care about what the Bible actually says. As it turns out, it was more of a let's find a weird thing in the Bible, as weird as we possibly can, and magnify it so that we can feel proud of ourselves for knowing something that maybe a lot of Christians don't. But the whole trend seems to give the idea that that's the only kind of angel that human beings ever encountered. That this sort of, this is what angels actually looked like, so therefore every artistic description you've seen of an angel is wrong, which is overstated, to put it nicely, and kind of dumb, to put it frankly. (laughs) The angels here probably have a human-like appearance, just as the majority of angelic visitors throughout the Scriptures do. The so-called biblically accurate angel uh, um, trend is really just a case of isolating one part of the scripture because it feels maybe a bit like a Lovecraftian fascination, but maybe then not bothering to read much further. But the point is is that the angels came to shepherds. We're actually not given a whole lot of detail about what the angels looked like because that's not the point. The point is that they came to shepherds and that they had something to sing and something to say. And so that's the next point, a song of glory. The angel's proclamation is really rather glorious. It begins in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, look at this, make sure you notice this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then, After announcing this good news, verse 14, the angel is joined by the heavenly chorus and they sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. And so we hear what's called the Gloria. We sang Gloria a moment ago. The angels sing glory to God in the highest or in Latin, Gloria in excelsis Deo. That's what we sing in angels we have heard on high, right? You have to recognize that God the Son has always in eternity past been enjoying those songs. The glorious triune God has always been receiving the sung praise of the angelic choirs. Philip Ryken, who is a a great help in preparing this sermon, he puts it this way. He says, Now God was sending His Son into the world where He would be despised and rejected unto death For the salvation of a lost and fallen race. This was the most glorious demonstration that God has ever made of grace. Therefore, it was only right for him to receive highest praise. Glory to God in the highest. And so, what I want you to see here is that the angels are indeed preaching good news. The word for good news back in verse 10 is the same word that gets translated gospel throughout the New Testament. So, what is the gospel according to these angels? the angel-spoken, angel-sung gospel, is that God Almighty receives the highest glory and that peace has come to men on earth, the men who, like the shepherds, receive the undeserved favor of God. That's the with whom He is pleased. It's also translated on whom His favor rests. So what I want you to see first of all is that when you look at this angel-preached gospel, you might first ask, is this about the glory of God, right? Or is this about His gifts to men? And the answer, of course, is yes. Did God come down to rescue mankind or did God come down for the sake of His own glory? The answer is both because He means to receive that glory not just by the voices of the angels, but by the voices of the astonished shepherds by humbled religious leaders, by kings and rulers and nations and tribes and tongues. This is good news for all the people because it is the announcement that all the people can and must find their hope and peace in this Savior who is Christ the Lord. In other words, God has so ordered things that His glory... And our good go together. If you wonder what it means to pursue the glory of God, it means to pursue all that you were created to be. And if you wonder what it means to pursue all that you were created, designed, meant to be, it means to live your life to the glory of God. These things are always meant to go together, right? the discovery and the possession and indeed even the enjoyment of all that God has made us to be and the glory, uh, the, the, the glory of God himself, glory to God in the highest. This is what we hear in our, in our catechism in the first question, right? What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. These two things always going together. And so the angel song is a song of glory and it is also a song of peace. Glory to God in the highest, verse 14. And on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Notice those two things together. The glory goes up to heaven. Glory to God in the highest, right? To the highest places. And on earth, what's coming down? Peace. Peace. So the the glory is going up, the peace is coming down. Peace among those with whom He is pleased. So this message is for all the earth and is especially for a certain portion of all the earth. That is, those with whom God is pleased. Those on whom His favor rests. As Christians we know that the only reason that our God is pleased with us is because we are in His Son. We are are in Christ Christ. By, virtue of, uh, by, by faith alone through grace alone. And when we are put in Christ, identified in the Son, therefore we can say that we are children of our Father, fully forgiven. So this is one aspect of, of, uh, of Christianity, in particular our doctrine of salvation, that has caused, to put it lightly, some consternation throughout church history. I am, of course, speaking of election and predestination. Those with whom He is pleased. Who be those people? The question goes like this. Did Jesus come to save all the people of all the earth? Or did he come for his own children? And the answer again is yes. Jesus came to save his people. And he means to save them out of every nation on the earth. So did Jesus come for all the people? Yes. Did he come for his own? His elect? His adopted children? Yes. Is the gospel for everyone? Yes, every nation, tribe, and tongue, no matter where you come from. Everyone who believes. How do you know if you're one of God's chosen people? If you believe, end of story. Only the elect believe, only believers are elected. So let's talk about this proclamation of peace then. What is perhaps most remarkable about this language is that Jesus Christ was born into a time and a place where In a sense, everyone was talking about peace. Here's what I mean. There's this term, you might know if you've studied the history of the Roman Empire at all, and it is called the Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome. The Peace of Rome was the peace that was accomplished by Roman emperors doing what Roman emperors do, conquering a whole lot of territories and peoples so that they would all be one empire under the banner of one emperor. And when you, when you pull off something like that, you get to make a lot of things standardized across a large bit of land. And so what the Roman Empire did was standardize travel in terms of the roads and the seafaring. Because of Rome, it's now a lot safer to travel basically, in short. It's this same Pax Romana that allows the Apostle Paul to accomplish so much, uh, traveling as he spreads the gospel of Jesus. You might already be guessing, though, at uh, the, the reality of this peace. It came at a terrible cost. Nations were conquered. People were enslaved and oppressed. I mean, imagine this takes a lot of imagination But imagine if Mexico and Canada were to form an alliance to conquer the United States. And they said, it's best if you don't resist. Once we conquer you, you can come and go anywhere as much as you please. Right? You'll be citizens of all three nations at once. We would say, you are not offering us peace. You are disturbing our peace. And uh, we will give you to the count of three to turn around. (laughs) But of course, the official line on the Pax Romana, it was wide celebration. Right? We now have peace and safety throughout the empire. In that context, an angel comes and says, I, I'm bringing you news that God is delivering peace. Right? You, you might say actual peace, real peace, lasting peace. And the same commentary on Luke, Philip Ryken writes this. He says, even those who had outward peace in Roman times, did not have rest for their souls. The famous Stoic philosopher, Epictetus, a contemporary of Luke, by the way, observed that, quote, while the emperor may give peace, so this is a Stoic philosopher, not a Christian. Listen. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passions grief and envy he cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns even more than for outward peace nor could all the emperor nor nor could the emperor offer peace with god which is most necessary of all (laughs) and so the biblical and christian concept of peace of course rooted in that hebrew word shalom is not just a sense of inner ease and comfort. It is that. It's just a lot more than that. It is, it is peace with God Himself, and therefore the end of fear. Do you see that the angel's announcement starts with fear not? And then the theme of the angel's song is that peace has come. These are two ways of saying the same thing. This is good news, because we are prone to fear. We are a very anxious people. We have a lot to be afraid of. There's fear of tomorrow, fear of uncertainty, fear of all the trouble and anxiety that comes around the holidays and all the preparation, fear for our own safety, fear of uh, uh, fear of disease and viruses, fear of the wars and the rumors of wars, fear of each other, fear of being known. There's also uh, a kind of fear of God that is the wrong kind of fear of God. Uh, Theologians often call it a servile fear. It is the fear of God that runs from God, runs from His words, runs from all that it would mean to follow Jesus. Into these fears, the Lord Jesus comes and through the lips of the heavenly choirs, reminds us that He has come to make peace. Peace between God and you. Peace between Jew and Gentile. Peace that is everlasting. The reason why we in our cultural moment are a people so awash in anxiety, at least part of the reason, is that we are attempting to live life apart from our Creator. We are instead trying to be gods ourselves, to invent our own identity, to invent our own self apart from God, And then we wonder why we are often so crushed under the burden of fear and anxiety. It is because you are decidedly underqualified for the job of God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the shepherds heard this gospel, they responded, if you look at verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hear the gospel. They recognize it's a gift from God. They believe they leave their flocks to go find what the angels have told them. Look at verse 16. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is really cool. This, this verb that uh, is, is translated... Um, found they, they, they found Mary and Joseph they found the baby lying in a manger the the Greek word there it's it's the kind of finding that you only use after you've searched it's search and found it's the the emphasis is on the search that has come to a successful conclusion when they see Jesus in the manger they were certain that everything they had heard was true they saw Jesus and they knew and and after that these shepherds, these working-class sinners, became the first evangelists. Look at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They started sharing the same good news they'd been given to anyone who would listen. They took the gospel they'd been given and they gave it to others. This is how the Lord saves sinners by putting His gospel on the lips of sinners and pressing them into all the corners of the world to bring it to other sinners. This is how our Lord Jesus means to conquer the world. Salvation comes by hearing and believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who was born in a manger, who died on a cross to pay for our sins, who was raised from the dead to give us eternal life. And all of this is for us and and for the glory of God. Those two things being together. Indeed, the shepherd's story ends with these words. And the shepherds returned, verse 20 glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They were imitating the angels. Praising God. Glory to God in the highest. They were praising God for peace on earth. This is what indeed the Gospel does for us and to us. The very words of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. By them we are brought to faith in Christ. In due course, we are led into glad witness and glad worship. And so, dear saints, let us, in this glad season of many gifts, many opportunities to rejoice, to be sure to make much of the telling of our neighbors of the great glory of God, the peace that He has given, that He has announced to all. Let us sing... If you will, let us sing like angels and sing like shepherds to the glory of the one who is our peace and who has given us his peace, a peace which the world cannot touch. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Father, we ask indeed that you would help us to, if it seems not too proud a thing to suggest, to echo the songs of the angels, to grant that the announcements, proclamations, melodies, and harmonies of the angelic choruses would be heard in these very walls today and for generations to come. We thank you, Lord, for the reality of true shalom on earth brought to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that in our work and in our worship, we would be mindful that we live before the face of God. Indeed, and that all things are working to your glory and to our good, these things going together. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.